are listening to a podcast from C3 Church Wallandilly. For more episodes and information, please visit our website at c3wc.com forward slash Wallandilly or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash C3 Wallandilly. Today, my little subtitle is Something's Got to Change. Something's Got to Change. And as we look into this world, this world that you and I currently live in, in a world that we would say we are so connected and so informed and so educated and so aware of the injustices and the things that go on that have been atrocities and the history that's been. And, you know, sometimes we read these history stories and as we do, we think, oh, we can't believe it. We can't believe that men would do that to women or women would do that to women or vice versa or that humanity would just be so wicked and cruel to each other. But even though we're so educated on all of this, on this history and this awareness, why still, when we dive in and we look at statistics and we look at current happenings, are there still injustices happening? Why? Against women, why? This is where I'm going this morning, against women. Well, let me tell you a few. And I pray that it would unsettle you. It unsettled me as I dived in. I have been asking the Lord since national conference, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. Let me see things and not be comfortable. Let me see your heart, your heartbeat. And as I dived into this women's inequality, I began to look and say, well, God, this is not your heart for women that over 15 million girls under the age of 15 are married, not by their choice, around the world. According to the UN, 62 million girls around the world are denied education. 62 million. That female genital mutilation affects more than 200 million girls and women in over 30 countries. According to the A21 campaign, I don't know if you know that campaign, but human trafficking is the fastest growing global crime affecting every continent and economic structure. And that does not disclude Australia. The average age of missing children who are exploited through sex trafficking is 15. That children between five and 17 are victims of child labor. And over 70% of detected human trafficking victims are women and girls. Over 70%. According to the Human Rights Government of Australia, one in two women experience sexual harassment during their lifetime. This is their current stats, Australian stats. One in three women have experienced physical or sexual violence since the age of 15, and these are reported cases. I did um, a little time on a jury panel, and the case that I was part of the jury for was a domestic violence case. And I remember that as the case unfolded, and as testimonies were coming forward, we would then go and meet in our room where we would discuss the happenings and our views and where we were leaning towards a guilty or non-guilty. And I remember hearing the discussions and comments around the table, and this was a mixture of men and women, by the way, it wasn't just all women. 
that, you know, she asked for it, really. She put herself in that situation. She shouldn't have gone back to him. She should have left him all that time ago when he did this the first and the second time. So can we really say that he's guilty of that? Somehow, they were trying to justify this violence that had been done to this woman. And I tell you, friend, lack of wisdom on the part of a woman does not justify violence and harm towards her. But yet this discussion was happening. And that was only a couple of years ago. This is, it boggled my mind that we would so devalue another human and somehow justify a violence or a crime done against them because they did something foolish or they put themselves in a position that wasn't safe. Come on, we can't be a community of people, of humans that accept that. That one in five women have experienced violence by partners since the age of 15, which is, by the way, on the increase. And that one in two have experienced workplace discrimination as a result of their pregnancy or of being a female. And honestly, the list can go on and on. Like, as I was diving in, reading about companies and boards that the percentage of women that are in those positions are minute compared to men. But I began to question, well, God, why? Why is that? Women are becoming more and more empowered to be educated, right? Well, we're very assuming of that, that that is the case everywhere. It is not the case everywhere. And there are other things that actually play against women. Her natural role, if she's married and in a family with children, can get in the way of an educational process for her to go up and take those higher positions and sit amongst um, people on boards. And, and I was just like, okay, there's a lot. And in politics, the other area where we probably as a nation believe that we're doing pretty good well, according to the stats, it says that Australia ranked 48th in the world in the terms of female political empowerment. The representation of women in politics, now this is down from 32nd on the list in two, um, 2006. So actually gone down. We were once a bit higher on that board saying, oh yeah, we're 32nd from the top. Now we're like 48th. What's happening? That there's this decline. And I'm just like, okay, what does that mean for us? And what are we meant to do with it? Well, first, we need to see it. Stop denying it. We need to feel it. And then we need to take responsibility. For, firstly, ourselves. Because you know what? Change happens with us. Because sometimes you can look, I looked at all these stats and I was weeping over them and many more. I was watching clips and listening to teaching and people's points of views and I was just weeping. And I was like, God, your heart for women is so big and so strong. And there is a war against it. There is a war against the woman identity of God. And that war has been raging for a long time. And that's, I want to dive into that for us, because you need to understand the why behind it. Because it isn't man hating woman and woman hating man. This started all the way back in the beginning. 
And we're going to turn to the scriptures of Genesis 1, 26 to 27. And I would pray that as we dive in now into these different passages and these different words, that your eyes would be open to begin to truly see the heart of God for humanity. Because humanity is his image bearer. Here in Genesis, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Here we see that both male and female were created in the image and the likeness of God. It was not one more than the other. So I'm now wanting to show you the heart of God. It was not one more than the other. Both were created in his image. Both were have to, to have dominion and to subdue, subdue and rule over the earth together. They were to steward well what God had given and entrusted into their care, serving alongside each other. In Genesis 2.18, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now, when I looked at the word helper and what it means, it means somebody suitable, a completing partner, complementary yet distinctive. The same word for helper here is also used to describe God 15 times. It's used in the Old Testament. So it is not a word that makes the person that God was referring to who was woman at that time, less than. She was to be an image bearer of God like the male was to be. God did not make woman any less nor inferior, but also as an equal image bearer. So humanity, in in just those two passages, we see that humanity is not complete without each other. No man and no woman alone can fully show you the image of God. Humanity together, male and female, together as we look across humanity, that is when we truly see the image and the reflection of God. And none of us can do it separate. And that was God's plan and purpose too. He made us have need for one another. Because the call, and why? Because the call of God was so big on humanity. He created, like Pastor Owen just mentioned, generosity, vast, huge. And then he said to humanity, to man, by the way, woman was called man and Adam at the beginning. He said, now you go and you subdue, rule over, have dominion, have fun with what I've created. So because the call was so big, he made sure that we were going to do this together. So in Genesis chapter 2, verse 20 to 25, here it speaks about the woman being created, which I absolutely love. And I have brought a very fine print Bible, so you're going to see me arching over a little bit. Now it says, the man gave names to all the livestock and the birds. I hope I've 
done the right one. Birds of the heaven and to every beast of the field. Oh, yeah. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into woman and brought her to the man. And then the man said, this at last. Do you see, just when I read that, he's like, this at last. How excited he must have been. Oh, my gosh. Because he had seen the creatures having partners and having like ones. He had seen it and he was naming them and, oh, that would have been extraordinary. But there was something missing and God knew because it is not good for man to live alone. And then Adam puts his eyes on her and he says, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. There's so much in that just to show you the value of woman and how man in his purest form looked upon her. How much he respected and honoured her. So much that he even called her woman, which actually, if you look at the definition, it means man-s or womb, W-O-M-B, man, because guys don't have womb. (laughs) But he looked upon her with affection and with purity because it says they were not ashamed. So there was no weirdness about that. No shame. And everything else that comes with that. And he looked and he gazed with purity and with an eye that honoured her. And he realised she was not something not precious, but she was very much a part of him. So she could not be removed or separated from him or devalued, because if he did, he would devalue himself, because she came from his rib, from his own body. And God did that on purpose. God did that on purpose because, you know, friends, nothing surprises the Lord, right? He knew what was going to play out in um, chapter 3. So he was creating this need between man and woman, beginning to understand you cannot do this without each other. We can't do it without the Lord, but I want to highlight you cannot do it without each other. Man, you cannot be looking upon woman and not valuing her as God's prized possession. The one in whom when he looked at man, it is not good for him to be alone. I will create and form a helper. And he didn't just pluck her from the sky. He plucked her from your rib. He plucked her from inside of you. And that says to me, he wants her near your heart. He wants you to have a heart for her, not a burning desire with these eyes, but a heart for her that will stand up for her, that will be the man that God called you to be. So originally, oh, God is good. Like I said, nothing surprised the Lord. And then we come into chapter three. So we're going to read that whole chapter. 
And it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took its fruit and ate it and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. All of a sudden, something changed. All of a sudden, they weren't looking at each other with the purest eyes that God had given them one for another. Right there and then, it says the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. Already, breakdown had begun to happen. And then they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Here's another breakdown. First, we saw the breakdown of man and woman because all of a sudden their eyes were no longer pure and unashamed. And now we see the breakdown between man and God because all of a sudden they're fearing him rather than soaking and being in his love. Fear now became to come apart. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord said to the woman, what is it that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And then the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing in pain, oh sorry, I said, oh yeah, I was like, oh man, I'm going on the pain, pain was mentioned twice, you shall bring forth children and your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground because of you, in pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life, thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face, and you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for, your, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. I'll stop there because I will read the last bit. So here we see the fall. And since that time, 
there has been a battle raging. Not only a battle for your soul, but a battle to stop the unity of male and female, to stop again that we would truly come together as male and female and bear the heart and the image of God. Throughout time and history, we have seen this repeated over and over and over again. And even still until this day, that battle continues to rage. Some, in some places, more aggressively than in others. So in some places, there is some exploitation of women that is right in your face. I haven't traveled the world, yet I've heard of people traveling parts of the world where they don't know where to look because of the sex trade that's happening from young kids being sold into this to women who are paraded in windows and shop fronts. It is open and it is broad and it is aggressive and it is wrong. That's right. But yet we might say, but in in Australia it doesn't. It's just not as in your face. Or maybe we just choose not to look. When that breakdown happened, fear came in. Fear came in so grippling that it was like God looked and he asked humanity, where are you? What has happened? And what, what did Adam say? He said, yeah, he talked of his shame and he said, I'm, I'm shamed, like I'm naked before you. But it was that woman that you gave to me. It was her that did this. So all of a sudden, that voice that when, who first looked upon woman and said, wow, look at this one. All of a sudden, his eyes and vision towards her had changed and his value of her had changed. She's trouble. She's not to be trusted. She did this. She caused me to do this. We need to see where this came from because if we deny it, that's not going to change anything. You need to realize that, man, you have been called to be champions of women. You have been called to rise up and speak and declare things over her that God says. You have been called to be the strong arm that protects and provides. He made you the way he made you physically, emotionally, with the big hearts that you have and the big minds that you have for a reason and for a purpose. Chapter 3 did not surprise God. He knew there was going to be a breakdown in relationship of human to God, but of human to human. And so when he declared the curses, I was like, God, what about that? Well, he knew that because of eating of that fruit, that woman, each one of us were going to bear more pain in childbirth. I used to think that that was like, God didn't like us. You're going to suffer and you're going to have more pain. He knew that in that breaking of the divine and of his extraordinary plan and purpose for humanity, that all of a sudden pain and suffering came into the world. And so he said to her, with eyes of love, you're going to suffer pain as you try to birth forth. The thing I called you to do was to multiply and go and fill and subdue gloriously. It's going to be pain in that. It's going to be pain. 
and your eyes, woman, they're going to be taken from where, looking at me and you're going to look to man. And you're not going to be satisfied. He is going to rule over you. Was that a surprise to God that man would take his authority and use it against woman? No. So God was already setting us up and saying, hey, it wasn't to say, go that way and it's just going to be. I want to make you aware that your eyes are going to turn and they're going to look to your man. And it's throughout all of humanity, God has been calling, where has been calling our eyes? Back to him. Back to him. And man, again, you were called to rule and reign and subdue and have dominion. And then God was like, guys, it's going to be hard, yakka. You're going to toil the land. And when, he's, when I was thinking about that, oh, and by the way, guys, you came from dust and you're going to go to dust, I, you know, I was like, what's that? And I felt like God was saying, because man needed to realize, because he's going to rise and he's going to think he's the powerhouse. He's going to rise and he's going to think pride's going to come. And he's going to rise and he's going to think, yep, this is me and it's all about me. And God was like, reality check, boys. You're made of dirt. You're going back to dirt. And it was out of love. Because as a mum, I say sometimes things very truthful to my children. Oi, pull your head in. None of that. What are you doing? You know, why? Why are you thinking that way? Why are you doing that? So I see God like that. I see that he was saying to his boys, boys, you're made of dust, you're going back to dust. Don't think so high of yourselves. Come on. There was, I just saw this in a new light. What I saw once, a really sad story, which it is, because it was not the divine plan of God. But then, in amongst this story, when he talks originally to the serpent, and he says, okay, you're going to be like slithering on the ground, eating dust. But in the serpent's story, God showed her story, which tells his story. Because he said to the serpent, you're going to bruise, there's going to come one from this woman. The one that you thought you deceived and fooled and covered and caused this to happen. There's going to come one from her. And he's going to bruise your head and you're going to bruise his heel. Already, the redemption story of God played out in that chapter. And I tell you, I did a dance inside. I'm like, God, woman, you were raising her. You were raising her at that moment. And you're like, your story is going to tell his story. And I'm going to show you. So why would not the enemy have an assignment then on women? Not only on humanity, but on women. Because God had said through her is going to come one that is going to step on your head. And so over the ages, we have seen this war take form and fashion. We have seen the breakdown of humanity, the breakdown of our relationship with God, our connector with our creator and the lover of our soul and the breakdown of our love and, and partnership with each other. And this has played out over and over and over again. So, as I said, as we saw what God was doing in each of us at that moment of creation and in the breakdown of that story, 
God loved us so much that he did come. Because I began to do a study on that word Adam. And yeah, it meant humanity and man, and it was male and female. But then I began to think about another passage of Scripture, which reminded me of another Adam, the last Adam, actually. And when I used to read this Scripture, I used to think it was very manly. I'll read it to you. 1 Corinthians 15, 45. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, and the last, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. And in Romans 5, 18 to 19, it says, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience to many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience to the many will be made righteous. So as I began to think of this last Adam, this other Adam, I was like saying, the Lord, okay, but where's her story in this story? Well, when man, at the end of chapter 3, <clears throat> after all that had happened, the fall and the curses were spoken, it says, in, chapter, in verse 20 of chapter 3, it says, The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And then that made me go, okay, she is the mother of all living. Hang on a minute. God, you said, man is from dust and to dust he shall return. And in that other passage in Corinthians, you said, the first man, Adam, became a living being and the last... Adam becomes a life-giving spirit. I believe that when Adam looked to her and he said, I call you Eve, that he was prophesying not only that she was physically going to birth living children, but she was, he was prophesying into her future that she was going to bear the one who not only came in flesh to redeem this, but who comes in spirit to give us everlasting life. And I was like, whoa, I found her story in his story and his story in her story. And the trespass that happened with Adam, the first Adam, humanity, because by the way, it was the two of them that ate that fruit. There was going to be this redemptive work through one, the last Adam who came in the form of human and to me, when I hear that word Adam now, I don't look at just man. I look at woman. I look at humanity. So Jesus came to represent all of humanity, not just man, all of humanity. And he began to live out and show us truly how to live, for a man to live as a man and a woman to live as a woman. And you might say, how do you get Jesus showing a woman how to live as a woman? Well... When I look back at the curse on the woman and that her eyes will be to her husband or to the man, Jesus did not get married. So if the purpose of a woman, I might rattle some people now, is to be married, keep house and have children, I'll touch more on that next week. What 
is the purpose of a woman who doesn't get married, never has children, and maybe shares house? I don't see the message of God and the kingdom specific to say that a woman's role should only be getting married, keeping house, and raising a family. I don't believe that that's what that passage of Scripture in Genesis says. I actually believe that Jesus came to show you the kingdom of humanity working together and the value of male and female and the empowering of what it looks like to be a human who looks, lifts their eyes above this and looks to him and gets everything they need from one source but yet does life beautifully one with another, empowering, championing, reaching out, touching, seeing, embracing, feeling, suffering, generous living. This is the life that this Adam came to live and show us. Humanity, male and female, you have value because he places it upon you. You are created in his image and in his likeness. We are called to be his bearers. And we have failed to do that. We have failed to do that. When I sat and I read through statistics and I'm like, God, where have I failed to do that? Who knows that through advertising and all the media that we have now, who knows that even in things that we, conversations that we allow to happen around us, we say it's okay to devalue women. You might say, no, no, no. Do you ever sit in your lunchroom at work, kids, young people, when you're at school around your peers? Do you ever hear a male voice, or even women, demeaning other women? saying, oh, they're just silly, or husbands. Do you talk about your wives in a way that's not championing her and esteeming her and lifting her up? And I'm not talking when you're having some issues that you go share confidentially with somebody who you see as wise and who can sow into your world. I am not saying that. But what I'm saying is you talk across the table or to a group of other blokes and say, oh, she's just this silly thing. She's blah, 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 blah. She does no good. She never cleans the house, bully. She doesn't even look after the kids. She won't even let me come out to the beer, have a beer with you boys. She is worthless. That's what you're saying. She's worthless. Girls, what about us? What about when there's conversations happening and maybe, you know, a woman's not behaving in a great way and we jump on that? wagon and we can say, oh yeah, she's this, she's that. Or she deserved that treatment because you know she didn't do these wise things. She wasn't, I don't know. I can put my hand up a few times for guilty. I mightn't say it all the time, but he knows my thoughts. And so I began to have some reality checks about this inequality in my life. And I think we all need to do that. I think we all need to go, okay, where am I? not championing women? Where am I devaluing her so much that I would just turn a blind eye to injustices? Where am I allowing someone to live discriminated against because it's too messy, I don't want to get involved? 
Or maybe, maybe it stirs something in you where you have felt mistreated. And that can be both for men and women, that women have mistreated men. Or men have mistreated women. All the years of sexual abuse that I went through, I knew what it was like to live under a crippling fear that kept me silent, that kept me bound, that kept me feeling like I was worth nothing and nobody cared and nobody saw, and there was nobody that was going to rise to be a voice for me. But Jesus came to set me free. He came to say, woman... I see you, I value you, and I tell you that you are worth it. And if anything, I believe that we're called to be not only a voice for that, so I would challenge you, if you're in a conversation with another or a group and you begin to hear some words and some communication that is somehow devaluing women, Hey, guys, why don't you stand up and be a voice? So, hey, we don't, we don't talk about women like that. Or be the guy who the guy can come to and really be open and share his heart and share his struggles and be a wise voice for him. Show the way. Show the way by the way you live and by the way you speak. And girls, let us be champions for women. You know, have you ever heard, oh, you're just being too emotional? Man, I'm emotional, and I don't think it's because I'm a woman. I think it's just my ethnic blood. Just think I'm passionate and... (laughs) But have you ever been told as a woman, hey, keep your emotions in check? Come on, girls, keep your emotions... Not good. Who said it's not good? Who said that? That's next week. Who said that? You know, we need to feel it. And I wanted to preach a really happy, chappy message today. And I am, because Jesus came to bring hope. But we need to also know that we are in a reality of a battle that's going on. And this battle continues to rage until he calls us home, until Jesus and the Father says, that's it, let's do it. But until then, you're on mission as male and female's humanity to be image bearers of God to go and subdue and show the world what it is for a man and a woman to be side by side by side by side, moving forward in bringing the kingdom of God here to earth, moving forward in your everyday. Not one of us is off the hook, and it doesn't matter your age. Not one of us is off the hook. And I would say that if even some of these stats and some of the things I've talked about in equality has stirred your heart but has triggered some things of places that need further healing, come to Jesus. I want you to come to him because, friend, I tell you, he's the one who will make you whole. Speak to somebody. Trusted. Begin to take the brave step of that next step in your world. Pursue it with all your heart, all of your heart, because he calls you woman and he loves you dearly. And men, if something has stirred in you, I would pray that 
God would bring such a conviction upon each of us to not become complacent. Don't just assume that every guy gets it, because they don't. But you be the voice and the example and the champion of women. You be that. As Christ was, so are we. Right? As Christ was, so are we. And let's, if we see an injustice, speak up. Report it. We're a church that believes child's safe. You know, we push it. We, we talk it. We educate. We keep going after it. We keep, you know, we're not going to sit on this because we're called to be champions of those that can't speak for themselves. We're called to champion a cause and be protectors like God intended that humanity would protect each other. And we're still in a broken world. So there's still going to be ones that don't do that journey. And you know what? We're going to be a church that stands and says, we see it. We're going to call it for what it is. But we're going to bring the change in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, there is so much we could continue. I could continue to dive in. Just on those three chapters, I'd encourage you, you take away. I want you to really go and let this sit on your heart. I want you to ask the Lord. Go before God. And ask him, God, when it comes to women's inequality, what's my part? Where do I sit on this? And let him truly speak it. I'm not a man hater. I love men. I think you're great. You're amazing. It's not coming from that place. But where do I sit on this? Face it. Because you might be sitting on, on one part of this scale and you might think, well, I'm here because of this experience and because of this and because of that. Because women fail and women let you down too. And women aren't always the best. But like I said, you need to identify it and go, do I need healing in that? You know, did I get mistreated by my mother or an educator, a female, or my wife, or even my child, my daughter, has she done some things to just cause me to have that, that I want to fight her rather than protect her, that I want to speak against her rather than speak for her. And that's true for us girls too. Have we experienced some of those things that have brought us to a point where we don't want to defend? Because you know what? She did this to me. She did this. Now you need to pull that back in and go, okay, maybe some of those things happen. Well, I believe God will show you how to walk through healing and forgiveness and freedom because that's what he's called us to do. And you might say, well, I'm not. I, I, I feel yes. I was talking to my son and he was, mum, women should get paid the same. They should get an education. They should. He was should, should. He's boy of justice, that kid. I love him. Maybe that's you. And the challenge I said to my son, like I will give to you, how are you going to champion that? How are you going to champion that in your world, in your sphere of influence? How are you going to use your time, your gifts, your talents, your resource to champion that? Think about it. Ask the Lord. Read through those first three chapters 
with fresh eyes. Get into it. Jump in as Adam when he first experienced and saw Eve. Jump in when Eve was awakened. Jump in when God gave that declaration, this is what I want for you. And then also jump in and feel when the breakdown happened and what that looked like. But God's redemptive plan. I love God because nothing takes him by surprise. And he had a plan to redeem humanity back to himself. And when Jesus came and he lived as a man, feeling everything that you feel, I feel, attempted with, he suffered. Find your story in his story and then go and tell his story through your story. Amen? Amen. Well, I want to thank Pastor Rowan again and thank you all for allowing me this time. Like I said, I could go further and further, but I will not. Next week is coming. So we're to walk differently, live differently, talk differently. We are to be changed. Ask God to forgive us where we have failed him in this area. Ask him to show you and I the true value of woman. Oh, girls, don't ever cringe back. You stand and you be a woman, and men champion them along. Ask him, pursue it, go after it, because change will only happen as you and I change. Change will only happen as we bring the kingdom to earth. Amen. And it is a big call and it is a big commission and it has not changed in all these generations. And Jesus said you cannot do it without him and you cannot do it without each other. I love it. (laughs) He was intentional when he did that back in the beginning of Genesis and he was intentional when he did that when he walked this earth. And he's intentional in his doing now. He sent us a helper, which is the Holy Spirit, to live this out. Don't be crushed by it, but go go to him and say, Lord, show me, teach me, change me, transform me, and make me passionate. Because if you're not passionate about it, he's going to put some fire in you to be passionate about it. Because this is the heart of God. This is what he is passionate about. Equality for all of humanity. Equality for women. Amen. Thanks for listening today. For more episodes and information, please visit our website at c3wc.com forward slash Wallandilly or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash c3wallandilly.